0: Welcome to Maths Talk, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning. About this time last year, I spoke to our very good friend Cass Lowry. We talked a lot about lockdowns and how we were dealing with them and some of the activities that would be really effective in both the lockdown situation, that is, the remote learning, hybrid learning, and in the classroom. Today, I'm finally bringing you that conversation please enjoy
1: and welcome Cass. What I'd like to share is um, we don't like the phrase expert at any time, but I guess in Victoria now, according to the website Lockdown Stats Melbourne, we've had 174 days of remote learning. So yeah, initially it was very scary and we didn't know what to do, but I guess during that experience, we sort of Came across some resources and activities that are already set up, that are already available to download. They're all free to use. My staff sort of felt really helpful, and the students really enjoyed taking part in it. And we actually, we actually continued a lot of them once we got back to school. So they, they found so much engagement during remote learning. They said, "Oh, can we do that again? We really enjoyed that task." So that was a, right. that, that was a positive that's come out of remote learning. Sort of, yeah, getting to try some things and some different different situations and different mm.
0: different locations. I, I
1: love the idea
0: that these things are already
1: done for us because as teachers how often do we reinvent the wheel? Yeah our school sort of went for a model that during the maths block students would come online for the first say 15 minutes and do an activity with the teacher and we used the program a program called Seesaw and it's an app and then students would we'd put a task on Seesaw and then students would go away and complete their task in their own time and they were available to come back onto the google we used google meets i was fortunate enough to be working as a leader i worked at school with the students of the essential workers so i got to see it sort of from the parent and from the teacher perspective what it's like to sort of have to help someone negotiate an online quiz or something and how that works as well so mm. yeah so what have you got for us Cass? Initially, when we started doing remote learning, I just sort of went for activities that I'd done in the past that were effective. One I really like is it's called How Many? It's based on a book by Christopher Danielson. Um, And basically you just show an image. You can get any image and you just say to the kids, how many? So, and the kids just respond Mm -hmm. to that. If If you search for the phrase, how many or unit chat is another thing you can search for. There's lots of images that people have uploaded already. So, some are funny, some are very mathsy, different year levels, stuff like that. Some are like got dice in them, like or pattern blocks, but some of them are just, you know, pictures of something that's in your kitchen. So, yeah, and kids just respond I see six hexagons or I see five yellow things. And kids can just talk about it. And all the platforms like Zoom and Google Meets and Teams, they all have options that kids can either type on the side or they can get up whiteboards and kids can write the answers. Or you can just, sometimes we just had the kids write the answer on a bit of paper and just show it up to the screen. So there's lots of ways that students can respond. And I think that teachers can sort of find out what works for them. But we found, particularly in the older grades, just having the chat function opened and having the kids, more students were responding because kids don't like to put their hand up, but they were quite happy to type, oh, six, I see six hexagons in the chat. So- you're sort of capturing all the students that way. So they might go out in their backyard and they might go for a walk down the park or something and see something that might be a bit interesting Mm. and just share it. Uh, Recently, I was in Adelaide and near the Rundle Mall. There's this, just a really interesting art exhibition of these huge, they look like bubbles and Mm. someone's made this art display, but it's up in the sky. And I just took a photo of it and I got lots of comments on Twitter about, this is a great image. So it's just something that you see when you're out and about. And kids yep. are very good these days about using technology. Even the younger students can take a photo and share hmm. it. So, And that's something we want them to do. Yeah, they got a real buzz. Which this is an image that Archie found. And we shared mm-hmm. oh, how many. And like, that's a real buzz. So it's something simple to do. But yeah, it sort of engaged the students. And it was, I mean, it's about counting and explaining your thinking. So that's what we want the students to be able to do. Another task that's related to this by the same author, Christopher Danielson, is called Which One Doesn't Belong? I think a a lot of this one's been around for a few years now. This is the idea that you get four images. Again, if you Google which one doesn't belong, so W-O-D-B, there's actually a website that is just a collection of the images. So if you Google that, it's just four images and they're often related in some way. A very common one is four shapes and you have to say, you know, which one doesn't belong. And there's a reason why each one doesn't belong. Yeah, we also also found yeah. So we also found that this was another activity that students could do themselves. So we had students go into their kitchen and create their own which one doesn't belong. So they you know rated Mum's spice cupboard and they got four different spices out and you know they just talked about it. And I found it interesting that sometimes what I thought the students would say, which one doesn't belong, they came up with totally different reasons. And I just found that really interesting. you know, there's a famous one I've seen and it's four triangles and three of the triangles, like the, the top, the point, they just like look like your standard equilateral triangle where the point's at the top and the base is at the bottom. And one of the triangles is turned up the other way. And as a teacher, I never noticed that like, because I'm so busy teaching, orientation doesn't matter and it's a triangle whether it's flipped or it doesn't matter. One of the students, oh, the bottom one's upside down. I went, oh, yeah, I hadn't <laughs> it and it's just interesting that a student would point that out to me and as soon as they said it I went oh yeah the points at the bottom the other three the bases at the bottom and I went oh yeah it is a reason why it's different so I think mm-hmm. these activities because one thing the kids miss during remote learning is just the talking it's just yes. having that chat with the teacher and sharing ideas and this kind of activity which one doesn't belong you can sort of go Around and ask everyone. They can submit their idea, and you can right. talk about it. And yeah, it was. We found the kids really sort of enjoyed it. And these are the kind of things we used them. We knew in Victoria, so we would be in remote learning for a few weeks. So we sort of used this one for a week, and then we might change to something else. And then we might come back to it later, we found that that sort of worked well with the students. So they didn't sort of get sick of it. So we engaged in it for a few days, and then we moved mm-hmm. to something else.
0: So yeah. in fact, that was I, really. I um... I really like how they have to use their reasoning and their reasons. You know, there's nothing wrong with their reasons. It's just that communication and that ability to speak mathematically. Sometimes it's not even mathematical, but it's that problem solving
1: and explaining why. Yeah, just that... justifying their thinking. So, yeah. um, actually, another one I saw related to which one doesn't belong. It's simpler. It's called same or different. So with same mm-hmm. or different, you just get two images. And I think this is a good one to start out before you do which one doesn't belong. If you start this idea in maybe the earlier grades and you just show two images and you just say to the students, what's the same, what's different? Like, what do you notice? And then you can say, what's the same, what's different and get them to explain. And it's another one that's quite easy. And there's a website. There's been a website, Brian Bushart, I believe is his name he's come up with a website with just a collection of images and he's put them into different year levels so that it's all there for you. So you mm-hmm. can just go, oh, yeah, I'm teaching juniors. Here's a whole collection of images for juniors. So it's stuff like right. images in tens frames. So both mm-hmm. images will show six, but some might show five at the top and one at the bottom. Some might show four on one side and two on the other. So it's all, the activities are just there. And once you sort of have a look at the ones that he's come up with, you can easily come up with your own and you can challenge your students to come up with your own and you could do mm-hmm. it with anything. You could get two shoes. What's the same, what's different, you know, yeah. and just getting them to explain it. It even sort of goes into literacy. It's not even a numeracy activity anymore. Yeah. You know, just justifying their thinking. Mm. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And I like that. a lot of people have got up. There's another, another educator. His name's Eric Lee. He's put up lots of, uh, a lot of images on Twitter and stuff about different examples. So even if teachers are not on Twitter, I do recommend getting onto Twitter and just having an account. You don't have to post, you don't have to like anything, but then you can just sort of check out what resources are available basically. And we've got a podcast that you can
0: listen to before you get on Twitter called Matt's Twitter or something like that. I'll put the link in the show notes before you actually take that big plunge into Matt's Twitter have a listen to the podcast because yeah, that was a fun one. That was, and it's only a, it's only
1: a 10 minute podcast. Yes, the so. a short one. And EduTwitter yeah. is just a huge community. Like you don't have to mm-hmm. engage with anti-vaxxers or whatever going on mm-hmm. at the moment, but you can just get these resources that people are putting up for free and saying, here's an image. I use this with my students. You can use it with yours. And I think getting those ideas. And then once you sort of see it, you'll sort of go, actually, I could do this with my students. So the next set of resources I would I'd like to recommend is by a guy named Stephen Wyvonnie so it's I believe I'm saying that right so Steve Wyvonnie w w y b o r n e why he he's got a lot of he's got his own blog and on his blog he's got several different resources he's got powerpoints or google slides that you can just download and they're ready to go and they're all freely available and the three that I want to highlight he's just got Subitizing slides. So, subitizing is just those flashcards with the dots and you show the students and you ask them, you know, how many? Like, what do you notice? How many? And they might say, oh, I see five and how do you see five? So, then there's a discussion about, oh, I saw four and one. I saw, you know, you know, one, two, three, four, five. I saw two and three. And there's a discussion about the different ways you can see that number and also the different ways you can represent five. So, subitizing slides are great here's another one called splat splat. that yeah so splat's very similar to subitizing so if you're starting out maybe start with subitizing then splat is this idea that this sort of this cloud splats onto some of the dots and then you have to say well how many do you notice now so maybe there was eight dots the splat comes it covers up five how many do you see now and getting mm-hmm. students to explain this but all the animations and everything are already in the the slide when you the slide set when you download it I can certainly
0: so, recommend um that yeah slide. so I've, I found some great stuff on that
1: yeah so our so in Victoria we call them prep students a so foundation our prep students really like the supertizing but our grade twos they really love the splat they loved it that you know you could hear them laughing and and, you know, there's some sound effects as well. And they were just like splat and they were just, you know, explaining what they saw and what they noticed. And the splat actually goes up to high grades. So you can get the yes. stuff for the prep to twos or you can get the stuff for the older students because it can get quite complicated. There's fractions and everything. Yeah. And that leads into algebra too. Oh, yeah. The, like a missing and, and number. Just What's equation? the number? You don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you record this splat as a, you know, so there's lots of, Here's an activity that's engaging, SPLAT. It's fun to play. But then, yes, you could use, if you're teaching in, say, grade four, you're teaching missing numbers. So, eight takeaway box equals five or something like that. And as you know, Leanne, there's lots of different places you can put that box. So, what's the, there's eight, is there? Eight different ways to represent yes, the same thing. Yes, eight question, is great. So, it's great so can That's students right. come up with the eight ways just from this one splat so i just think it's a bit of a fun game there's actually a lot of mathematics in these things but you haven't had to do the hard work of coming up with the resource making the powerpoint doing the transition so it makes the splat noise it's all there for you another one on his website is called esti mysteries and our grade oh. fives we love this and they, this is the one that they asked to come back to. So estimation is this idea that you're shown an image. So it might be a glass jar with marbles in it, and you and you're given the first clue. There's between one and 20 marbles in the jar. So students write down what they think, how many marbles they think. Then there's a new clue. It's an even number or it's it's an odd number. So you you might have guessed the number 20 it's an odd number so it can't be the number 20 so then you change your guess and there's like five clues and depending on the level again these activities are leveled it goes into anything from odd and even numbers to prime numbers to uh, multiples of three you know and all this different language about all these terminology that sometimes we Mm. forget that kids don't know these you know Mm. as teachers we take it for granted that they'll know what You know, kids often say the phrase skip counting by threes. They don't know what multiples of three means. Even though they might know their multiplication facts for three, they don't don't forget the word multiple. Is it a factor? Is it a multiple? What's the difference? They forget. SD mysteries would be good into early secondary definitely because there's all this language that students are just, they forget, like they forget, but the grade fives definitely loved SD mysteries because even as the teacher I'm not sure students love a bit of beat the teacher we all had whiteboards. we wrote down our numbers and then you know we get the next clue comes on and then you change your number and then in the end maybe the answer was 43 and I got 42 and I'm like ah like we're all like ah so close let's do another one you know so I think it It's just a good way to get the engagement up. And and I think that kind of stuff, that kind of anything that gets the kids engaged and gets them talking, gets them thinking in the mathematics, it's it's good and you don't have to come up with it. So getting the students to come up with their own SD mystery. So getting them to Mm -hmm. like, if you can come up with five clues about the number 23, that shows you've got such a rich number sense because really, you know, okay, 23, it's an odd number. Like what else do I know about? Can I come up with five clues that Mm. don't give away the answer is 23, but give the students enough clues that it has to be 23. So not Mm. saying, oh, it's between 22 and 24, but saying it, giving enough information away that you won't get it until the last clue.
0: Yeah. What's the minimum number of clues that you could actually have used to find
1: this answer? And is after the fifth clue, could it be 23 or could it be 25 as well? Like, Yes. Have you, have you made it so it could be two answers or, you know, does the image help? Uh, do you need the image or is the image, you know, does, is the image sort of uh, distracting, like distorting the answer depending on which angle you take it from? What I love about it is all the images are there. And you can just download them and use them however you want. And you could take the clues away, just give the students the images and get them to come up with the clues, give them the clues and get them to come up with the image. So there's lots of different ways you could sort of engage students in something that's just a bit different from just doing, you know, a series of equations. It shows that they've got number sense if they can do this. Yes, I guess another one, and there's a lot of discussion about this, it's become very popular recently, is called Number Talks. Um, If you haven't heard of number talks, uh, Dan Finkel's got a website called Math for Love that just has got a description of what a number talk is. And there's different number talks. So there's number talks that are like an image and there's number talks that are a number. So it might be an equation. it, It might be just an expression 25 plus 19 and you've got to talk about how you like how do you know the answer how did you get it what are the different ways to get it so there's lots of discussion about it and on dan's website he has heaps of different ones that teachers can download but there are so many number talks on the internet now joe bowler has some there's heaps of resources there's books available that you can buy if there's something you're really interested in sherry parish is it parish yeah Yeah. there's lots of different examples of number talks there's actually a website just dedicated to what's called Fraction Talks. So it's really, um, and like if a square is worth half, what's the rest kind of thing. So song. you the kids have to work that out. And there's lots of discussion. How do you know? How can you prove it? And again, they're all up there. there. There are resources available that are already made. Let's use them. And they're good quality. Another one related to number talks, but these are just, these are more for grade four upwards. It's called Math Strat Chat. So it's a bio woman named Pam Harris, and she has her own website. If you go, it's called Maths outable. It's a bit of a—it's difficult to say. But if you just Google, we'll put a link Math to it in our chat. Chat. Yeah. Math Strat Chat. Basically, it's just a problem. She puts up weekly problems every Thursday. If you want to do them live, they come up. They come out in Australia on Thursday, around lunchtime. And it's just a problem. The one that I did the other day was one hundred and twenty-six plus ninety-nine, and you just have to say how how you would solve that. She has ones involving fractions, but it's basically just the four operations, and you just say how you solve it. I was actually in the library
0: working with some kids during remote learning, and some good year rates. You know, they weren't they weren't strugglers. I gave them that sort of thing: ninety-nine plus thirty-seven, and they went to the algorithm they didn't have their calculators they went to the algorithm or they went to find their calculators and I said can you just have a look at this and see if I took one of one from that 37 and gave it to the 99 that makes 100 plus 36 they had never seen that before and they'd never even thought of it they weren't great students who were inquisitive about maths but it changed their lives because then I was saying, well, what's 97 plus 38? Well, take the three, 100 plus 35. So don't discount them as being too easy for your class, no matter what level you're teaching, because sometimes they've missed out on something.
1: Yeah. And actually what you're describing, Leanne, is they've actually given it a name. It's called number strings okay uh-huh. So this is sort of come out of this idea of number talk. There's a website called I think it's called Number string. Someone's you know got a website and gives examples. So basically what you're just describing. So if you you might start with 126 plus 100, how would you do that? What if it's 126 plus 99? How would you do that? How would you do 126 you know plus nine? Like so mm-hmm. just a series of related expressions and just how would students work these out? The teachers sort of strategically pick them because they are related. If you know how to solve one hundred twenty-six plus one hundred, then you can do the next one because you can use that to help you with the next one. I think the strategy is actually called compensation, but it's also it's trying to get kids to say rather than saying I don't know how to use do that, I'm going to go for the algorithm. No, mm-hmm. no algorithm. How would you? How can you use the first answer to solve the second one? that's something that you can do with the students and that would I've done that remotely or I've done it in class live in class with the students where the students all had their whiteboards and that we were talking about you know the relationship between these facts and really trying to think if I know this fact I know these related facts so this this I can use this to solve other problems I don't need to go to the Mm. algorithm or start using my fingers if when I get stuck Ideally, you would do this before you did the algorithm, wouldn't you? Yeah. And, like, and for some problems, for me, the algorithm, when you're adding two numbers, the algorithm is probably not the best strategy. When you're adding five numbers, 100%, I would use the algorithm. Yeah. It's, it's time and place kind of thing. Uh, but if you're using, if you're adding two numbers, there's probably another strategy. The curriculum talks uses the phrase efficient. And I think sometimes in our haste to get through all the content in the curriculum, we forget that little bit where it says mm-hmm. efficient written and mental strategy. So what does efficient mm-hmm. mean? And what's an efficient strategy for 126 plus 99? An efficient strategy is make it 100 and take away one. Yeah, That's probably the most efficient. So talking about how many steps you're using to solve the problem. And the yep. more steps, the more likelihood that you're going to make an error. Including so the step that's of just, just finding a bit of paper,
0: finding a pen, <laughs> find finding, it, a you know,
1: <laughs> even yeah but even typing it into a calculator even on your phone you still have to type in 126 plus 99 equals whereas if you just look at it and go you know i'm going to make it 100 and i'm going to take away one that's two steps so it's quicker like it's a two-step process and it's not not a huge cognitive load either no it's nice. no but it's yeah so math stretch chat a good one um similar to math chat is another website by robert it's called open middle problems and these are really good because these range from foundation or I think on that website they're called kindergarten kindergarten up until year 12 and it's just a series of problems and it's often it's empty boxes so it'll be like using the digits for one to nine and it's box box plus box box and you have to find the smallest and largest answer so one to nine so in class, I would watch students, some students would only try one thing and that's all they'd get done in the time. Other students would do five or six ends and try and find the highest number and the lowest. And, oh, did they get the highest? Oh, and can they, can they get higher? And they keep trying numbers and and prove to me that it's the highest and prove to me that it's the lowest and there's no possible answers. And, and once you've done one open middle problem, they're very similar. It'd always be like using the digits one to six using the digits one to nine not a lot of text it's just putting the numbers in so and you can
0: differentiate those two and so that your weaker students can still experience success
1: Yeah, yeah so when we did this during remote learning it's funny we actually put a link in to a calculator an online calculator so some students didn't have a device that had a calculator on it they didn't maybe they didn't have that app or something and so they didn't have a calculator. So we had an, an online app that was a calculator. So students could click in and the students that were having trouble, they just tried numbers and then eventually they found one that they thought was the lowest and they wrote it down. Other kids just mm-hmm. used use pen and paper and then took a photo of their work. So it's there's lots of sort of different ways into the problem. But again, there's lots of discussion. Like did you find the, did you find the lowest? Did you find the highest? And actually on the website, there'll always be a hint. So if you're stuck, there'll be a hint that you can give the students to help them sort of work out the answer thanks page another one is probably the last one is called number search so number search i think simon greg compiled it in the end and it's just a website that's just got images and then it will highlight one it might be blocks and it will say if this is worth one what's the rest worth so it's great for addition and multiplicative thinking you know so if that's worth one what's the rest worth and there's just Uh heaps of images Um, And it's just asking the students, like, what other numbers can you see? What's the total of the whole image? You know, what's the yellow worth? What's the green worth? And so on. It's just a different sort of way of thinking about numbers. I've seen a lot done using Lego and stuff that kids might have at home. Yeah, so it's similar to the others. But again, there's the website and all the images are already there. So you don't really have to come up with anything yourself Mm. you can do these activities in class you might use mini whiteboards or post-it notes you can do them if you're doing it remotely you can use online whiteboards or just use the chat function or get kids to just write down the answer and show it or get them to hold up their fingers and show it there's lots of different ways you can get your students to connect with it I guess my tip is though you don't need to reinvent the wheel so you don't Mm. need to be spending hundreds of hours making videos there's already videos up there if people want to know more, how can they contact you? I'm on Twitter, Cass underscore Lowry. I'm happy to share these links with the listeners. I was fortunate enough to present a version of this at a Mansell conference. The other thing is that we haven't talked about is there are a lot of just videos online. One of my favorite is a guy named Howie Hugh. So Howie, H-O-W-I-E, H-U-A is his last name. And he makes these five-minute videos on TikTok just of different math strategies. So everything from subtraction to, you know, circle theorem or quadratic equations and things like Mm. that. And they only go for five minutes. And a lot of teachers made their own videos. I actually made a few videos for my students, but I actually was inspired by Howie. Just so simple. That's just him in standing in front of a whiteboard with a whiteboard marker, no bells and whistles, no headings, no like you know musical intros none of that and he has a website you can search for videos so if you can't find one I'm sure you can send him an email and he'll make one for you there's so many available and he's not the only one James Tanton, uh, Joel Sprenzer there's heaps of videos out there so don't think I've got to make videos for my students there's videos out there use them the kids love it we've also had students make their own videos of strategies and they remote learning they wanted to you know they they had the time they had the resource you know they were by themselves at home and they thought and I've said to students that's a great strategy do you want to make a video about that could you share that with the class and we put it up on our google site you know of a student explaining oh this is how I this is how I solve this number this number talk problem I solved it like this and this mm-hmm. was the strategy that I used and it was great. Like, you know, they're all little, um, everyone's sort of a bunny TikTok or TikToker or whatever. Kids that love YouTubers and stuff like that. So, you know, it's their generation. They're interested Absolutely. in that. They want to do it. It helps them engage in the mathematics. Might get them to watch other videos later on mm-hmm. that you haven't shown them. And they might learn something. They might discover something new. But also for your own sanity, this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't have mm-hmm. to do everything. That would be my tip. Absolutely.
0: Well, look, thanks so much for coming in, Cass. I really appreciate
1: you sharing your experiences. Look, check out these resources and there will be ones that you'll be able to find, you know, work for your students. You know, your students, you know what they enjoy. And yeah, I've had a lot of success with this and I just think this stuff's out there, use it. It's great. Thank you, Cass. We really
0: appreciate it. And I hope I can get you back very, very soon for another discussion. Hopefully, yes. You've been listening to Maths Talk by AMC Schools. All of the resources we've mentioned can be found on the show notes and on our Facebook page. That's Maths Talk. You can contact us on the Facebook page or by sending us an email, mathstalk at amsi.org.au. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye!